I was sketching out some ideas about personal branding. And I started to see some parallels between comic book characters and maybe you as a personal brand. Let me posit this question for your audience to listen to and think about, which is this, is that ask yourself this question, which heroes or villains have risen above the rest? In the comic book world, there are hundreds if not thousands of characters, but only a handful rise above. My theory is they've done a better job of telling their story. We can identify with them. You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing that. The best conversations we've had with significant brand builders, experts, and communicators. The people that we've encountered as we go about our work of making people care by creating impactful brands. Season three is focused on unpacking the topic of branding. We talk to people who design brands, own brands, build brands, and even those who hire for brands. We explore what brands look like and how they behave across a wide spectrum, from world-renowned brands with massive budgets like Spotify to companies that are making big waves on small budgets. If you're looking for insights on the best ways to invest in and build your brand, this is the season for you. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Chris Doe. Chris is the founder of two seven-figure businesses, the first of which is Blind, an Emmy award-winning motion design studio, which he ran for over two decades. Then in 2014, at 42, he reluctantly made his first YouTube video, which altered his life and his career. A few years later, The Future, a beloved education company with millions of fans from all over the world. He now dedicates his life to his mission of teaching a billion people how to make a living doing what they love. We talk about superheroes, the difference between Marvel and DC characters, and what you can learn from them, especially when you're branding yourself. We talk about the dangers of being a red shirt, and he gives us insights about how he built his platform and how being generous with it has given back way more than he ever imagined. Enjoy. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's, it's a great honor to have you here. Thank you for your time. It is my pleasure, and thanks for your flexibility. Yeah, well, we've had some time zone issues. We've had some some changes, but this is the joy. Um, if if this was two years ago, we would have had to try and travel to the same spot um, to have this yeah. conversation. So here we are. Yeah, I mean, Chris, thank you. Uh, I'm interested when we did the pre-call about this, you said you actually um, wanted to reveal to the world that you're a bit of a, a comic book um, nerd and that you, you yeah. want to sort of shine light on comic books in a really interesting way. And, you know, you were, you were telling me a story about Marvel versus DC and how that can sort of influence the way people think about branding. I'd love to love to hear a bit more about that. Yes. Um, I just want to state for the record that I have been a longtime fan and lover of comic books. I grew up reading comic books. At one point in my life, I dreamt about becoming a comic book artist. I was, uh, as far as looking into the schools in which you can learn to do this, and there's a school in New Jersey called the Joe Kubert School of Comic Arts. And I was seriously considering this uh, to do this after high school. My, my drawings weren't good enough. Uh, and I hadn't practiced enough, but it was one of those ideas that I had in my head. And comics have given me much, much more than I could have ever dreamt. I didn't know at the time 
but looking and studying at the panels, looking at the art in sequence, prepared me for a career in, guess what? Sequential design. So later on in my life, after I graduated from Art Center and got my degree in graphic design, I started to work in the motion design space and I had to design storyboards, which is sequential design. And as I was teaching myself and making compositions, people would remark like, this is really good. How do you know how to do this? And I didn't think about it at that time. But then it dawned on me, well, I've had a lifetime looking at panels and how they're framed and how the masterful artist and illustrator is able to draw you, the viewer, into the frame. I love everything about comics from the old days in which they were like 20 cents a comic book to now where they're $4 a piece. I love the smell of the paper, the pulp, the coloring, the hand lettering. And guess what? I even love the ads inside the <laughs> comics. What are those things? Sea monsters. Uh, <laughs> the sea monkeys. The sea uh, monkeys. How to get a buff body. Yeah. Uh, magician tricks. Uh, the army play set. The fishing tackle box uh, You know, for 20 bucks. All these things I dreamt about. I never purchased any of them, but it filled my mind, imagination. And I was sad every time I would ask my mom or my brother, can I have $20 so I can buy this army kit? And my brother said, it's too good to be true. You cannot buy a kit like that, a 547-piece kit for 20 bucks. It doesn't make sense. Later on in life, I learned that he was absolutely right. That through trick photography and careful descriptions, uh, it, it was a little bit of a scam. <laughs> yeah, it's not what you, what you think it is, but it filled my mind with stuff. Mm. And so I grew up loving Marvel comics. Now, I knew of the iconic characters in DC but there was a grittiness and a realness to the Marvel comics that I could relate to. The, the, the characters in the, in, the, in the Marvel universe were flawed. They struggled with things. Uh, whereas Superman was this alien from another planet that basically was invincible, had heat vision, could fly. His cold breath could knock over people. He had x-ray vision and super hearing. He had almost no weaknesses, just one kryptonite. Whereas Peter Parker struggled to, to finish high school, to uh, not let his identity be revealed, to try to have a date night with his girlfriend, to try to take some photographs, he struggled mightily. He was a person full of conflict. And that takes me to this place where I want to share something in that in, in normal culture, we, we talk about myths, the Greek and Roman myths, you know, and we think about those stories as having lasted the test of time. And we, we appear smarter if we talk about them and if we can relate it to uh, the, the different gods and the demigods. But I think comics, especially now, are part of our current, current um, pop culture mythology. And it's time to give them some due. I was sketching out some ideas about personal branding. And I started to see some parallels between comic book characters and maybe you as a personal brand. Let me posit this question for your audience to listen to and think about, which is this, is that ask yourself this question, which heroes or villains have risen above the rest? In the comic book world, there are hundreds, if not thousands of characters, but only a handful rise above. And my theory is they've done a better job of telling their story. We can identify with them. One of the reasons why I love the X-Men comic stories so much was because they're outcasts. They're homo superior and they live in a homo sapien world. 
and they were the target of racism or genetic um, slander. Uh, and it really resonated with me feeling the ever outsider I could identify with these characters. So I want to draw some parallels here. Great characters have a strong story. You know their strengths and you know their weaknesses and they're almost mirror opposites of each other. Complex, identifiable, uh, relatable characters have just as many weaknesses as they have strengths. And you, you need to think about that because when you're out there in the world and all you talk about is what you're good at, how you've won, what you've accomplished, you're making yourself harder to relate to. Mm. Um, comic book characters struggle with living two lives, their private life and their public life. In their public life, they're celebrated. They're the hero. Their private life is full of strife. They live in anonymity. And it's the conflict between these two, the public persona and the private persona, which is part of their struggle. Because with Clark Kent, Lois Lane would look at him and say, oh, Clark, you're such a wimp. Couldn't you be more like Superman? And he has to bury that. So in comics, this is really interesting. In real life, this is a tragedy where we feel like our private self is not worthy of being seen. So we create an alter ego, a persona that is fake. One that we think the world wants to see, but isn't a true reflection of who we are. Because we think when the world sees our true self, the parts that are ugly about us, the parts we do not like, our shadow self, they will no longer love us. Mm. So we're chasing this thing. And it's amplified on social media with curated, photoshopped, highly stylized photography. We don't photograph when we're feeling weak. We don't photograph ourselves when we've had a failure, when we've been fired. We only photograph ourselves when we're eating that marvelous meal or when we're on vacation or when we're feeling and looking our best. So it creates this horrible cycle. So in the comic book world, this is necessary. That's fiction. In the real world, when you can be your true authentic self and your public self are the same, that's where you find your true power. I really like that. I mean, I, I like this. I mean, uh, when just after recording this, or I mean, just before recording this, Jeff Bezos has gone to space. And that's an interesting one where it's, people always talk about this mythology around him and Amazon, but it's this momentous achievement of his is being undershadowed by all of the negatives that he refuses to acknowledge about his company and the people who work for him and how he kind of got there. So it's sort of, it's chipping away at that sort of veneer that he's created because people are seeing through it and they're seeing the negative side as opposed to sort of trying to embrace it and trying to work on it and trying to kind of tackle it head on, which I think would, would garner a lot more um, kind of public love and attention and and ultimately I think what he's he's looking for. Yeah, and then eventually we start to wonder the more perfect somebody appears to be, the less we believe them to be true. Mm. Perfect is boring. Perfect is inauthentic. Perfect is unrelatable. Our mission in life should not be to be perfect. It should be to be true to ourselves. Mm, makes makes a lot of sense. You know, I think it's 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 interesting because you're talking about branding, but I think this is also kind of you know how how people conduct themselves in the real world. Like if 
there's that guy who's always telling you about all the great things he's always done. And that's the only thing you'll ever talk about. You actually don't want to hang out with them. You don't want to spend time with them. But your friend who tells you his deepest, darkest secrets and shares that with you, you, you connect on a much deeper level. Yes, if you allow me to, I will share one other idea from this personal branding framework around pop culture mythology. I've been talking a little bit about you as the character in the story, but you need a world to live in. So the world that you live in is the character in the story. And the way that I describe that is, what city do you live in today? And if you had a choice and you moved to that city, you did it for a specific reason and to understand that the city is not just a backdrop. It's a part of your character. And people have strong associations with people with where they live. If I say to you, Los Angeles, you certain ideas come to your mind. And if I say I live in LA, some people, their eyes might roll. Oh, that's where people are really flashy. That's where all the movie stars are. That's where you have all these crazy diets and yoga pants and everything else that you can think of. That's where all the plastic surgery is done and the paparazzi are hounding people. That's where there's traffic on the 405 and the 10 freeway. The glitz and glam. This is the entertainment capital of the world. And it's true. Much of that is true. There's other things to it. But the city in which you live in becomes a character in your narrative, part of the world. Now, all heroes have allies and sidekicks. These are people who support the hero in their journey. So think about who your allies and sidekicks are. And then, as, as um, I, I think this is necessary in all fictional work, but I also think it's relevant in the personal branding world, which is defining and having a strong arch nemesis, your rival, which is the mirror opposite of usually the hero. So Superman is all-powerful. And because he's all-powerful, he hasn't had to work on his intellect very much. We don't see Superman reading things, even though he could read probably hundreds of pages in a minute. So of course, his arch nemesis is none other than Lex Luthor, a physically weak person, but intellectually superior to Superman. Superman thinks about helping people. Lex Luthor thinks about controlling the world. And so when you have your story, you have to think about, I stand for these things. And the opposite of that is I stand against these things. Mm. Ideas, institutions, ways of thinking. You have to have a clear enemy, an arch nemesis, which is usually the mirror opposite of you. And just like you have your allies and sidekicks, your, your, um, your not your anti-hero, um, the antagonist in your story also has their allies. We refer to them as the rogues gallery of villains. And so you'll see that Batman has a rich gallery of villains from the Joker to the Riddler to Bane. And the list goes on and on and on. Penguin, Man Bat. And so those are the rogues gallery. So now we have four components to think about. When you're defining your, your personal brand, don't just think about your strengths. Find out what your weaknesses are. Understand that you also have an alter ego, the public self and your private self. Heroes have also nicknames and the nicknames allow people to quickly identify who they are. So Clark Kent is Superman. He's a man that is super above all else. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So in your world, you need to come up with your own nickname. I like to refer to this as your two-word brand. I'm a loud introvert. 
So I'm not calling myself Superman, but those two words that are kind of juxtaposed against each other give people a shorthand as to who I am. Mm. Boxers have this, wrestlers have this, and this for a good reason. It allows to uh, someone to take a very complex story to distill it down to something bite-sized and memorable, and then we remember them. Dwayne Johnson is the rock. Rowdy, rowdy Piper. Jake mm. the Snake Roberts. It tells you a lot about who they are. You don't even need to know the rest of the story. Now, the other parts that you need to identify is the city in which you live and has a character. The allies and your sidekicks, your arch nemesis, and the rogues gallery of villains. That's super rad. I love, I love how you framed it all together. And it, I mean, it speaks a lot to, you know, we are always telling the people we work with to, to draw a line in the sand. Um, because I think f- for me in this day and age, it's more so than ever is, is to stand out. You need to stand against something or to stand for something. It's impossible for people to find you if you don't have some kind of an opinion. Um, and I love this idea of who's your ally and how do you kind of partner with people to to fulfill that, to to ultimately stand against that thing. Um, so this might be a, a controversial question for you, but who is your favorite superhero of all time? Mm. In a superhero in the comic book sense, I love the Incredible Hulk. And probably not for the reasons why people think. It's not just Hulk Smash, the most powerful being on the planet. The Hulk is a really complex character because uh, if you take uh, multiple personality disorder, schizophrenia, uh, or schizophrenia, he has a multiple personality disorder. Uh, in his normal state, he's, he's one of the most brilliant men on earth. Like he, his intelligence, they rank him with like the top five, including Reed Richards and Tony Stark. He's a genius, but he has. He has flaws, as many scientific geniuses have. He doesn't relate well to people. And when he loses his control of his logic, when he enters into emotional state, there's a physical manifestation, a transformation of the character, and he becomes the Hulk, a super powerful being, which he loses his intellect. So it's like the the representation of maybe it's the id or the ego transformed into a body. And as the Hulk, he is probably the most dangerous person on the planet or the most dangerous thing. And so by losing control of his emotions, he represents a danger to himself, to others, and to the environment. And so he's constantly hunted, trying to be controlled for, for good and for bad reasons. So he's a person who is unfortunately doomed to always to be misunderstood and to be persecuted. I find the care to be extremely tragic interesting at the same time. Mm. That's super rad. Also, like, what I enjoy about this is it gives almost infinite possibilities to people that it's not, you know, it's not like a, an either or. Um, you can find one that you you love the most and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think who mine is. There's, there's a, a character called um, uh, Strontium Dog um, from the Judge Dread universe that I love and he's got his his gun which has his 
one of his fallen comrades' personality in it, and he just goes through kind of this never-ending life. I, I enjoy that, but there's so many. I think it's such a rich, rich idea, and I think it gives so many people the opportunity to be their own thing, their own space. They don't have to try and conform to being, you know, I guess really, if, if I translate this to the business world, it's like everyone's talking about becoming the next unicorn. You have to become a billion dollar company. That's like, that's the only goal that can really matter. Um, whereas it could just be that you want to build something that fulfills you or solves a problem or helps your community or you know there's so many other kind of victory conditions that you could apply to your business or to your brand or to yourself or to your life and and i guess this framework allows a bit of leeway on that yeah we don't all have to be superman we all don't have to be wonder woman we could just mm. be the friendly neighborhood spider-man we could be daredevil just trying to protect hell's kitchen looking mm. after our neighborhood it doesn't have to be this global intergalactic space defense force. It can just be do the best that you can with what you have in the time that you have. Mm. I enjoy that. Now, you gave me quite a good, you know, it's not just comic books that you, you're into. You also, um, you know, t talked about Star Trek and, and why you should not occupy a certain color um do you want to talk a little bit about that it's, it yes. feels kind of like this similar in in concept yeah i i think when you look at stories you can quickly identify who the heroes and the anti-hero and who the villains are who the sidekicks are and then there's always a cast of characters that are just background material in the movie world they're called extras they just appear on set so that the set doesn't look too empty and it, it turns out, uh, those of the people who are Trekkies already know this, that in the original cast of Star Trek, the red shirt crew were 60% more likely to die. And that's a staggering amount. And it's because those characters were created to be generic, uh, just to show that there's a consequence to action or inaction. And if you compare that to, say, if you wore a gold shirt in Star Trek, you're 16% likely to die, and then 12% if you're a blue shirt. Of course, Kirk, Captain Kirk, um, Uhura, uh, Chekhov, and Spock, they don't die. We know that about them. So when you're looking at your personal brand, you should be doing everything you can not to be a background character. And background characters are two-dimensional. We don't even learn their name. We don't know what it is that they do. There's no distinguishing characteristics about them. So most definitely, don't be a red shirt character in a Star Trek world. Mm. I enjoy that, and and I mean, you've you've got my brain whirling here around the the positives and negatives. I think that's definitely a way to stand out is to be to share those things because everybody's going to be running around talking about their strengths, and you know, but very few people are going to be honest about what they're actually not good at or where they need help or, you know, where somebody could support them because it's not their, their strength necessarily. That's right. So, so I'm interested, you know, you've, you've transitioned from, you were in one world where you were kind of building brands for people and you sort of, 
jumped out of that world or transitioned out of that world into helping other people build their brands. You know, that's where a lot of your kind of energy and work goes. Can you talk about a little bit about like why you chose to do that and, and what inspires you to keep kind of sharing these things like the, the superhero framework with the world? Yeah, there is a confluence of a couple different things happening. One is that um, my desire to seek a different way of making a living or finding my purpose in life comes first from the business in which I created and ran for 20 plus years. I saw things moving in a direction in which I didn't like. We saw that the budgets were getting smaller, the, the frequency of job opportunities were getting fewer, and the challenges around creating this work. It was just a more competitive environment to do less creative work. And so when you start to see that, for me at least, I see the iceberg coming. I don't want to wait, so I'm going to steer the ship. And I was looking for something else. In, in that pursuit, I ran into an old friend from Art Center. His name is Jose Caballé. And I wanted to learn about the world of web because I knew uh, software is eating the world. There's not going to be concern that software is going away. We're becoming increasingly a dematerialized culture. More and more of the physical things are being replaced by digital things. In fact, today, when you're working in web design, it's called product design. It's actually called product design. I'm like, oh, okay. So in meeting Jose, he challenges me to do something. He's like, let's start an education company together. And he already knew that I was already moving in that direction. So I temporarily put my plans on hold. We form a partnership and we have a product. In order to sell the product, this educational product, we have to make content because nobody knows the product. They don't even understand that there's a problem and they most definitely do not know who we are. So reluctantly, I agreed to get onto YouTube. This is in 2014. And I didn't want to, but Jose's told me, just step in front of the camera and be silent for as long as you want to be. Because he's a loud extrovert. He's obnoxiously loud. Those are his words. And I felt safe. Like, okay, you carry the show. I'll just be set dressing. I was a red shirt on the show. <laughs> That's really all I was. Yeah. And every once in a while, I would chirp and say a few things. And that was that. And it, it created physical pain for me, believe it or not, Roz. Because afterwards, my jaw was hurt from clenching it so tightly during the show. Through my mind, all I was thinking about was, what if I say something wrong? What if I can't string together coherent thoughts? And what if this gets out into the universe? Because I'm likely to say what it is that I think. And I can't take it back. And it hurts our company. It negatively impacts our employees in that they can't get gainful employment because we're going to have to downsize because my big mouth opened. So I was very careful at the very beginning to control every single word I was saying. I was fighting that because I was holding on to the public self while I was doing battle with the private self. Mm. And so it took a little while, but with patience, with perseverance and persistence, I started to get a little bit more comfortable on camera. And that decision, that fateful decision at the ripe old age of 42 to get onto YouTube and start creating content changed my life. It changed my business. And I'm on that adventure now. So eventually we phased out of doing client work and we focused on creating content, trying to help people do more of what they love, to learn how to make a living doing it. 
Now, I love that. How do you see? How do you see your brand and yourself fitting into the future? Like, how do you like kind of link those two together? So you've got the Incredible Hulk, um, you know, and the Incredible Hulk has built a company. How do you link those two things together? I think one of the things I learned on this adventure of brand building was my previous company, Blind, was the composite of a lot of personalities. I was not the only director as actually I hardly ever directed any TV commercials at that point because I hired an incredible team. We had a roster of four or five directors who needed work and for them to shine, I needed to recede into the background. But when we started creating content on social media, I could not write in my voice because it doesn't represent this diverse group of people. And so what we wound up doing was we wrote things that are very corporate, super generic, very safe, had zero personality. And my friend Yo Santosa works in the branding space. She says it like this, people do not fall in love with corporations. They fall in love with personalities. And as a company, we had zero personality. It was almost written like a press release, everything that we did. So when I went and started the future, Jose and I, ultimately, we have our disagreements. We break up in terms of our partnership. I start over again. And this time, in 2016, I'm going to start writing from my heart. I now know who I am. I'm writing content and it's a company of one. It's me and sometimes I get help from an assistant. And so I'm creating most of the content. I don't have to worry about misspeaking or misrepresenting anyone. And here's the funny thing, surprise, surprise. As I'm writing in my true authentic voice, people start jumping on board. They start following us in droves. The channel uh, the Facebook group starts to grow by crazy numbers. So when we eventually got help, they just started to write in the same voice. Mm. And I got some pushback from people because they're like, well, the future is a company. At that time, the future is a company of two or three people. It still is really driven by what it is that I want to do. And the pushback I got was, why do you write in the I? Should you not be writing in the we? It feels very self-centered. And I said, because we are not writing this. I am writing this. This is my opinion. And as long as it's working, I'm going to keep writing like that. Mm. And here's the cool thing. When we brought on a social media manager who started to take over the future's social media account, because I was so clear in all the other things I've said and wrote about, she was more easily able to adopt the voice, the tone, and the personality of me such that it confused my wife. My wife would pull up a post and she would show me and she goes, did you write this? I looked at it. It's like, it sounds like me. I think I've said something <laughs> like this, but I know I did not post that. So she said, and her name's L. L is really good because I've not seen many people who can write in your voice. And that really kind of brings this conversation to a point is if you write with a generic voice, you'll sound like everyone and everyone is quite forgettable. But if you write in your voice, that becomes unique and true and authentic to who you are. And I think, like I said before, our purpose in life is to find our true voice and, and be comfortable with that. And so it's done wonders for us. It's how we've amassed a really large following. And I'm going to stick with that approach. It is working and is working well. Now, if you look at corporations like Hyatt or the Merritt Hotel chain, 
what's the personality like? Do we know anything about these corporations? Mm-mm. No, we don't. And you can't so, tell them apart either. You can't tell them apart. You could not even predict what it is that they're going to do next because we have no idea. They, we are so far removed from the story. And I have this little theory, right? The theory is this. A founder has an idea. They're passionate about changing the world. They have a big dream. And so they start building a business. And their relationship with clients, the audience, and the consumer is very close. We know who you are. We know what you stand for. Wonderful. The company starts to grow. And as it grows, layers of management get added in. Friends of friends get hired. At some point, strangers get hired. So we're getting farther and farther away from the intent and the philosophy of the founder. At this point, they're a multi-billion dollar corporation and customers have no idea who founded it, what they stand for, what their beliefs and values are. So what happens? The company hires an agency. And what the agency does is they don't create the brand. They just go to uncover the brand. So some people who are in the brand space, they are quick to point out, we don't make brands. That's not what we do. We go and find the brand that's already there. We're rediscovering the brand story. So what do they do? They go into the archives to read about why this was created, the philosophy, how this person behaved and what they thought about, what inspired them. And they go back and they tell that story. So what happens to corporations is they lose their way. They lose their story and the connection to why this company or this service, this product existed in the first place. You got to find the founder's story. Mm. I love that. Is that, I mean, is that linked to the, to the billion to the, is that how you're going to keep that legacy alive? How, how do those two tie together? The billion mission, which is to teach a billion people how to make a living doing what they love. It really is a dream summarized up in some quantifiable way. I'm, logical and I'm also creative. The creative in me would would say something like to inspire people. Well, how will you know if you've achieved that goal? How do we make decisions based on that? So we say we want to teach a billion people how to make a living doing what they love. That's the blueprint. We have to think big. We have to do things that are scalable and accessible, not just to a few people, but to a lot of people. Because I think that's like one in eight people on earth. But it also says to teach people how to make a living doing what they love. So there's two components there. So to me, if you're going to have a mission statement, it needs to be clear enough to be a guiding force in the things that you do. It's supposed to guide and govern the actions that you take. It has to be simple. And so in, in talking it over with our company, in the manager's meeting, I go home one day and I start to write this thing and I share it with Ben Burns, who's our chief operating officer. He goes, Chris, I love this. It took a couple of iterations of tweaking here and there. I changed from making money doing what they love to making a living doing what they love because I didn't want it to be about the pursuit of money. It's about creating a life. And each person gets to decide what that looks like to them. I love that. And I guess it's to, to pull it all the way back to the, the superheroes, it is that, like, what is that mission? What is that ultimate thing that you are going after? And what is your authentic reason for, for chasing it? Yes. If you're into the Marvel lore of metahumans or, or mutants, so mutants are, are born with a gift. 
of power. Some mature at birth, some mature late in life. And Professor X's mission is to make it safe for mutants to coexist with norms, the normies, right? So he uses his brain with Cerebro and he finds them out in the world. And he calls to them so they can come and train and live and learn how to be an X-Man. If you look at the billion mission and to draw a parallel to the comic book world, we're all mutants. We all have a superpower. It has not been awakened inside of us yet. And what I want to do is like Professor X and Cerebro to send a message out to you, to reach out to you, whoever's listening to this or friends of friends who are going to listen to this and say, you have a superpower. I want to help you find that. I want to help you share your gift with the world. I want the sleeping giant to wake up. I like that. And you get to, in some way, claim a little bit of the the glory of what those people go on to do. That's you, you part of that origin story, which extends your reach um, much further than you could have done on your own. That's right. I, I just wanted to clarify one thing. It's wonderful for me to hear the stories of people that I'll never meet in real life, strangers from places in the world that I'll probably never see. And to, for them to reflect back on me that sometimes they have a small win and sometimes they have a big win. It's less about claiming legacy. It's just knowing that, you know what? I did something good before I passed away. Mm -hmm. I'm here just to help people. And that's all I care about. So it makes me really happy to read a story about how somebody says they're burnt out. They're thinking about quitting. And whatever it is that they read or saw that I produced gave them hope, gave them belief that they should stick this out and find a way to become successful. And that goes all the way to the other side where somebody sends me a message saying, I used to charge $200 for a logo. I just closed a $10,000 logo. I would not have been able to do this without your teachings. Mm. The, the, the one testimonial that I love the most is, I learned more in this video than I did in one year of university or in my entire university. And I wish my professors taught me like this. And I like that because it's all all linked in the the authenticity of how you want to do it, how you feel it should be done. Can can I ask, you know, so if someone likes this idea, so they they're thinking about them themselves and their personal brand and they're building a company, how how would you advise them to put that founder story in and lock it into the company and then allow other people to contribute because it's, you know, at some point you need to almost let go and allow other people to sort of come in and add their piece and, and build on. But like you said, you don't want to lose that, that thread. Like what's, what advice could you give to people when they are thinking about this themselves? I think there's a lot of us who want to grow our social media following who want to increase our influence or to be perceived as an authority figure in, in our space. And if you want to be known, the first thing is you have to learn to know yourself, to know thyself. That should be our highest order. And I, th I think I've said this now three times, right? Maybe in different ways. To know yourself. Because once you know yourself, then you can allow others to raise their hand and say, you know what? I like your vibe. I want to be part of your tribe because we're like-minded individuals. We share 
a similar worldview. And then what happens is an idea starts to turn into a community that turns into a movement. And, and like how Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman formed the Justice League, they're basically saying we need to stand for truth and justice, whatever it is, and we want others to join us. And naturally, Lex Luthor and other people create the Legion of Doom, the exact mirror opposite, which is we want to take from the world. And so the, the lines in the sand have been drawn. So if you are clear about who you are, and you create content around that, naturally you're going to attract and draw to you people who believe what you believe. And I think that's how your mission and your ideas spread and become stronger. The more people you enroll in this narrative, the more likely it is that you gain traction in the world. Because an idea that that no one cares about is a very lonely idea. (laughs) But an idea that's shared becomes powerful. And it's the sharing of the story that makes the idea more powerful. I like that. I think there's some some great lessons in there for for people. Uh, the thing that sticks with me is this idea of of finding your your tone, your voice, your your special thing, and not sounding like everyone else, which is is often quite contradictory to some of the things that you you learn out there and putting it out there and attracting, using that as an attracting, attracting force. Wonderful. So, so Chris, I mean, like as, as a last sort of question for you, like you've, you've grown this huge following. Um, and I think the thing that, that really appeals to me about how you've done it is you seem to have been quite generous with, giving your platform to other people, um, you know, especially on Instagram, more than, more than half the posts are, are curated from other human beings. So can you, can you talk about that? Cause it's, it's a little bit, you know, everyone's thinking like, I need to build my audience. I need to build up my thing. And then when you've got it, you're like, can I have it? I'm going to kind of give it away. Like I'd, I'd love just as my last question, like why do you do that? And, and what is your, your sort of philosophy behind that? Thank you for asking that question. Not enough people ask me that question, so I appreciate that. And I also love hearing a different interpretation of what's happening. So I'll share with you what's going on. So for a long period of time, I'm just writing content because I want to see if I can crack this Instagram puzzle. And I'm fascinated by the challenge more than anything else. If you want to be successful at anything, you need to learn to love the game, not so much the result. Like it's not important for me to win the championship, but to learn to love dribbling, just getting in shape and breathing and running the drills. So I do this for a while and I gain traction and it's working out really well for me. And then I have um, a creative director who works for me who's launching a course. He's going to launch a course for color. And I think, you know what? I need to use my platform to help drive eyeballs to a course that he's launching. So I ask him, write me a carousel. And he's like, what do I need to do? I just said, just draw from one of the best lessons from your course and we'll share it and I'll do that. Now, I was a little bit nervous about sharing someone else's design and thinking and even promoting a course. It usually goes against what I stand for. And so I was a little nervous and I'm going to share this thing with the full expectation that they're going to come at me with pitchforks and say, how dare you? (laughs) We're going to unfollow you. 
this is wrong, Chris Doe. And I'm ready to delete it if that's the case. But something happens which surprises me, which is people like it and they share it and they're commenting like crazy. And so it, it's like, wait, what, what is going on here? I, I thought you guys showed up for me, not for other people. And it goes on to become one of the highest performing posts for me in terms of likes, comments, and follows. So once I did that, as you can imagine, people started asking, can I submit a guest post? I didn't know you do guest posts and it would be wonderful for your audience to see my work or my ideas. And I wasn't sure how to deal with this thing. But you know what? It's a platform. What are platforms for if you can't shine the light on other people? Mm. It's a stage I've built up, but the stage is for actors, for performers, not for one person to hold. So I said, okay, let me try it one more time in case they go crazy on me. And so I'm trying to be very deliberate in who I choose. I'm like, this is a really good message. This resonates with me. It's written well. And you know what? It's going to help our audience. And so I hold serving the audience above my own ego. So if I can serve the audience with a message that's not written by me, I've now accomplished several things. I help the person who wrote the piece by helping them to get attention. I also help the audience who shows up. And guess what? It also helps me. So this is like some kind of Venn diagram where everyone wins as long as I do a good job of curating and allowing specific ideas to be, to be shared or to be spread. And this is really important to me. So I, I, kind of, um, I kind of oscillate between the things that I write and the things that I share. And I'll have to share this with you. The period in time in which my account has grown the fastest, surprise, surprise, is when I've adopted guest posts as part of my regular content creation. That's amazing. And I think it makes sense. And if we come back to the mission, the mission is not to teach a billion people with things that I thought up, you know, and things that I, it's like to teach people. So if you, you can teach by sharing your thoughts and you can also teach by sharing other people's thoughts and teaching other people to share their thoughts. So, I mean, Chris, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I think you're a lesson in, in how generosity can actually pay back you know giving away can actually bring back a lot more so so thank you very much and thank you for sharing and it was an honor to interview thanks for having me that was really fun i'm glad we got to do this yeah and and i think with that we we have ended another exciting episode so thank you very much and we'll catch you in the next one bye-bye Thanks for listening. We believe that sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who's building a brand or needs some inspiration for their brand, please share this podcast with them. This is our third season, and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first one to know when a new episode comes out. Or even better, leave us a review and tell the world how much you enjoy listening. This really helps. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork. NiceWork is a purpose-driven company helping people who want to make a dent in the world by building brands that people give a shit about. We're based in Johannesburg, South Africa and serve companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, partner with us or make a suggestion, reach out at www.nicework.co.za. 
And if you're one of those really old school people, send us a letter and we'll make you a mixtape.